We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network Game 4 post-game. A little bit less of a fun one than the Game 3 post-game as the Milwaukee Bucks completely blew it and lost 116-108 to the Boston Celtics in Milwaukee. The Celtics tie up the Series 2-2 and snatch back home court three games left, two in Boston, the Bucs will need to win there again. I am Ty Windish, one of the hosts of the Eurostep. I am joined by the Perseverant. No, I tried this one before and got it wrong before. The great Adam McGee of the Winning Six from Podcast. Perseverant is fine. Is that a word? Yeah, oh. for sure. I'm rattled, Adam. How's it going? It's going okay. It's <laughs> definitely being better, but it's going okay. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of places to start. I just want to say quickly, I mean, Giannis, I thought was great tonight, especially in the third quarter, but really throughout. But Giannis is not enough by himself. And we've learned this lesson with the Bucks before. This is not news to us, but he can have 34 points on 32 shots, 18 rebounds, five assists, four turnovers, and it can still not be enough for the Milwaukee Bucks as, you know, what a 10 point lead, 11 point lead, I think, in the. In the third, fourth quarter there for the Bucs, they had it. They had the whole game in control. They start the fourth quarter with Giannis, immediately lose the lead. And I think I, I just wanted to put the Giannis thing in there because I don't know how much we'll focus on positives, maybe toward the end. But you just can't survive a game like this from Drew Holiday with Chris Middleton out of action. And I think that's what it came down to. I think Drew got himself into a lot of looks that typically you like his chances of making. Some very ill-advised ones too, but also some good ones and made almost none of them. And I think that's the difference. I think that's how you lose such a big lead. Your second best player in the game, just unable to, you know, convert any sort of shots offensively. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's stick with Giannis first of all, because you, you brought it there. Still not his best game, like still not his best stuff in the third quarter. Absolutely. Like that's the best version of Giannis. Plenty of the game where that wasn't what we were seeing from. 
free throw shooting was bad five points left there uh the three-point shooting and the shot selection on those was really bad too i think in in part their possessions off for him in his mind where it's you know take a break except you only find yourself running back down court for to play defense all the, the faster for taking those shots at the moment so i don't know if that's the ideal way to go about getting yana some rest of possessions i think moving the ball finding some teammates could help there but a lot of the the common issues for the books returned even though they weren't there early early in the game we were seeing really nice ball moving we we're seeing positive results from that all got very static later on um guys in the corners that are just unwilling to rotate out or take a get... shot when they get the ball in the corner which uh, was the well, first we'll, half we'll, issue we'll get to we'll get to that in one player in particular yes yeah. it, it literally became unplayable because of that in part um but for Giannis, like, you can't really ask for more. He can be better. I still think there is a game where he just completely dominates start to finish in this series. Because even for all the things the Celtics are doing, like, he's he's got control of a lot of it. He's able to go and do what he needs to do. He just needs some sort of help, not to not to take us off the rails with some cross-Milwaukee sports comparisons <laughs> here. But you know what this reminded me of, Ty? This Every reminds Corbin me of watching start? Corbin Burns with the third worst run support in Major League Baseball. That's what it's like watching Giannis tonight. Um, and some guys stepped up. Some guys who really, I guess you can't ask for more. It's actually much more than you could have expected that they've given you. But the kind of the core players for offense that you would have turned to with Chris out and said, okay, you three guys are like most important or you're three of the most, the four most important players did not step up, did not deliver. And that just became too much to bear. And it becomes too much to bear because in the end, the Celtics get 30 from Jason Tatum, which is hard to believe. It's kind of a fake 30 points. Um, it doesn't matter though, when you get 30 from Al Horford as well, oh, like that, God. That's, that's going to do it when the books can't get steady contributions offensively from players who are among their best, among the players who are going to need to perform. Um, and you mentioned Drew, so I'll bring it back into where you did set it up. Drew Holiday played 41 minutes. In the seven minutes he was off the floor, the books were plus 15. It's a trend. Lost, this whole series. lost the game by eight. His plus minus has been terrible this series. And it's there's a lot of noise, but he was just off. Five for 22 one for six from deep. Drew and Giannis wasted 10 possessions shooting threes and got three total points out of it, which just can't happen. If, if Giannis wants to take a possession off, give it to someone else to shoot a three. Like, I'd rather have a contested three from anyone else besides Drew than Giannis taking some of these threes. When you're one for four, that's enough. Just, I, I just – I hate it. I don't like it. I get to a point every game where I'm just like, okay, I've seen enough of those. But back to Drew – Five for five from free throws, surprisingly good for him. He did have nine assists, three steals, two turnovers, but you just you need more points. You just need more. You cannot have a guy, you're not you're gonna lose a lot of games, and you don't have Chris. You get zero points from Chris, we'll put it that way. And Drew is five for twenty-two. It, it's just not sustainable. And I think the guys you mentioned, Wes Matthews, three for four from deep, drew three free throws, hit all of them, more great defense, plus seven. 
And the West didn't play nearly enough. 28 minutes. He should have been well over 30. I know he's he's older, but I could have made a big difference in this game. Pat counted in logs 30 minutes, four for eight from the field, three for six from deep, seven rebounds. I thought he had a tremendous game. But I mean, Brooke was okay. Had some nice plays. Didn't he? He gave you what you want from him offensively. I mean, defensively was not ideal. It's not, but then your other players available to you weren't giving you better options. Yeah. Like, so, and you you know you're putting Brooke out there on an island. You know that's not the ideal situation. It should be it should be a matchup where Bobby is able to hang, where all it takes is discipline, foot speed. And you say, okay, do what you've been doing all season and show that that's something you've got now. It's something you can be trusted to do. Wasn't there at all. And honestly, his offense was worse than his defense, which is just, yeah, there's no tough. way you're you're playing Bobby Portis if if his offense is is way off the boil like it was. Um, I, I think on the whole for, for Brooke, particularly with, he was the only guy in the fourth quarter that Giannis was gassed and someone was going to have to come and help Giannis anyway. So one, when the books were hanging on for dear life after coughing up the, the lead in an 11, one run kind of almost immediately, Brooke was the guy who was scoring some. And then even as they were in position to get back into it before it really got away from them, it, it tended to be Brooke who was getting to the rim Feeding off scraps, like the books could do a better job of getting the ball to Brooke too. It's funny, there was that weird um turnaround kind of half pass, half shot. That, that was Drew a shot. Had. 100% I, a shot. I thought the same. No question. But the thing with that is there was at least two triples Drew took in this game where the closeout was so aggressive that he could just pass over the top and Brooke was completely wide open inside and you would have had more easy dunks. Like those kind of shots are there for Brooke. Um, if the books are just a little bit more selective in what they're doing and they bide their time, make the passes when they come. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's to me, it's, it's Drew, Grayson and Bobby. And yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. 10 of 36 from those guys, 27 points. Like if Chris Middleton is in this series, we're probably expecting 27 points from Chris in a game like this. So when you don't have that to then only get that kind of contribution from those three guys combined is just as catastrophic. And Giannis, true sheer force of will, true sheer force of nature, managed to put the books in a position where it looked like they were going to win this game, win it quite comfortably. But he, he really did look tired. And oh, yeah. it's, it's it's the game where he was embracing the contact, fighting through it, and just relentlessly going inside as often as possible. It's the game we've seen the most of that in this series. And we know all the bodies the Celtics were throwing at him, and they were all racking up fouls. The Celtics fouled, like, for all of the crying that we've heard, probably will continue to hear. They oh, yeah. fell relentlessly, like legitimate fouls. Like... Forget any like kind of standout plays that fans are going to highlight one way or the other. The Celtics fouled and fouled and fouled and fouled and fouled. And you know what? In the end, it worked. There is there is incentive to do that against the Bucks, particularly against Giannis, because there's always a chance he's going to miss some free throws. But the other thing is, it clearly just in in giving into the contact 
and in accepting that and then also knowing particularly on the road a lot of those calls may go against you you're you know you're going to pick up fouls but Giannis is also going to feel that it's going to wear him down more it's going to be more and more exhausting and by the end of the game that's what happened and this is what we <laughs> this is what we feared without Chris as possible um, what, what I've said from the start of this series is I, I think this is the Celtics series to win as in if Jason Tatum proves he's as good as everyone thinks he is the Celtics should have the better players should win the series under these circumstances of Chris out I don't know if Jason Tatum actually did that tonight but he found 30 points um, he had a great fourth quarter to his credit great fourth quarter which, 5 for 6 he put the bucks away played the whole quarter for sure some opportunism there but hey if you're going to show up and get some shots to go in and then find some points in just a variety of ways, including a couple of crazy shots. <laughs> the Four scoop quarter. was crazy. The scoop was ridiculous. Four quarters is a good time to do that. Also, the Bucks allowed him to do that because they got too fond of thinking George Hill can hang with Tatum. George Hill cannot hang with Tatum. That does not work. He His eyes lit up every time he saw George Hill late in the game. It's a situation very similar to when Giannis sees Jalen Brown on the other end. It's just, it's not the matchup. Wes Matthews has got to be the guy. You've got to go deeper in terms of Wes Matthews' minutes because George Hill, as as good as he was until he wasn't very good, I thought, in this game, not a ma- matchup for Tatum. Like, I thought he was okay and did okay on Tatum. Everyone was really pissed. I didn't really – I don't know. No, I, I think fourth quarter it just fell apart. And well, it fell, the game fell apart because no, but, no one but, could find Al Horford who had 30 points. For as much as Horford did the damage in the fourth, as much as Horford did the damage throughout this game, throughout the previous game, really throughout the series at this point, the thing that has had the books in position is Jason Tatum is not important. He's irrelevant. He's, up until this point, not being able to do what he needs to do for the Celtics win games. George Hill was not able to stop him at all in the fourth quarter, and he was on him for long stretches. He got Tatum going, and from there it was game over. Like... The Al Horford thing. It's inexcusable. It's, no, it's totally inexcusable. No, but it's it's it goes back to when we've always had corner tree stuff over the years. It's visceral, right? So it's the thing everyone is going to focus on. Well, of on. course it is. But they're not losing this game if that's all that's happening. If they don't allow Jason that's how they lost to the take lead. off. But they're right there in the game. They lose the game. The game goes away from if you them don't because of Jason the Tatum. Well, I think both things hurt, obviously. Obviously Horford, both things hurt. Horford's the one that brought the – I think Horford gave the Celtics the lead. Tatum took it from there. One, I don't know one if of Tatum those is... things, One of those things you can, you can sustain in the series, and they have to this point. You can live with it. You can win while it happens. If Al Horford has 30 and Jason Tatum has 30, you're finished. Like it's that simple. Uh, yeah, but the Horford one is more controllable. Horford, I mean, listen, obviously a great performance. A lot of those shots are just open. But okay. You can't do that when he's got why, that many why points. Are the he's shots open? Hot. Why are the shots open? Because they're falling apart defensively and losing him. But also because their entire plan is on not allowing Jason Tatum to go and get 30 points. Yes, it and, is. But I mean, And then when they allow him to get 30 points, when the plan has been tailored around stopping him, and that's why Al Horford's getting those looks. That's where the problem lies. But they like, don't have to be that mutually exclusive. You cannot totally leave Al Horford without giving Jason Tatum all the shots he wants. I, I agree, and I think that's got to be the plan from now on. 
but that has not been the plan up until now. It had to be the and plan I, in the fourth quarter, though, is my point. I, you have I to adjust. I can't say overall that that plan is flawed in terms of how the series has played out to this point. Because if you if you just continue to defend Jason Tatum, if Wes Matthews continues to be on Jason Tatum and do the job he did, Wes, once again, phenomenal. Like, absolutely phenomenal. And giving you offense, too. Like, giving you real contributions it's offense. Amazing Wes Matthews which is, game. Which is no... Like, no small feat considering the energy he's expending at his age in defending Tatum. But if you stick with that, I think you can contain Tatum. And I think the fourth quarter ends up very different in spite of what Al Horford's doing. And what Al Horford is doing is unbelievable. Like, it's, it's the best he's ever played in the playoffs. He looks so, like, bouncy, light on his feet. Really, really impressive. Al Horford is, has been for a long time, a great player. Wasn't the last couple of years, but him being Al Horford again and the Celtics finding out, oh, wait, he's not finished, has been crucial to what they've become a team this year. So it's it's kind of fitting from their uh, perspective that it's happening right now. But that is, that cannot be. It's about Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I disagree. The books. I disagree. Send help from anywhere else. Or don't send help and make make Tatum beat West one on one. Maybe he does, how, like he beat George. How have they won the games Horford. in the series so far? What? How have they won the games in the series so far? Well, it's, it's a Jalen stop, Brown explosion and an Al Horford explosion. Oh, you mean how the Bucks win the game so far? Yeah. But a, a game three is only close because Al Horford again goes off, and he starts going off. You need to adjust. Yeah, I kn- I know that's why it's close, but they can win those games like that barely. is, and they just they, barely they could have won this one. Uh, yeah, they could, like, but they didn't because Al had they, a big Al Horford Al had a big fourth six quarter, for six in the fourth. He, he really gets going in the third too, and they're they're up ten, up eleven. Like it, that's not the problem. Is when the two things come together because as as you rightly said, that's. A point where the defense just has collapsed entirely. Yeah. Like, the other thing is, I think like some of these are like semi transition. They just totally lose him in the corner. It's like, how do you, how can you possibly? I mean, there's also, there's some decisions I think that need to be made. The decision you and I both wanted to make for this game, which was Pat Conton starting a lineup. I don't see how that doesn't happen for the next game because the difference in his performance level and Grace Allen's and Bobby Portis's right now. It's night and day. Pat is really playing well. Like beyond anything else, he gives you more size. He gives you more strength. I would like to see more lineup to honesty with him at the four. You're going to have to pick the right moments. Yeah, I agree. That is particularly if, if Horford is going to continue to shoot like this and he's terrorizing, you want to focus on stopping all things. Pat at the four is going to be key to that. Giannis at center. Because right now we're, we're back to where we were in Brooklyn last year. Bobby looks unplayable. Yeah, like I, I, I agree on Pat. I even think putting him on Horford sometimes would not be a terrible idea. The only reason I don't like Giannis on Horford is because we know he wanders. Like Giannis on Horford is a way to give up these corner threes. Yeah, Giannis is terrible at closing out too. Like, yeah. So it's just – Yeah, I mean he got he got dominated by Horford on a bad closeout. That dunk, I mean he should have – well, Flagon or whatever, dead ball tech, whatever it was. I mean he got him with the elbow on the way down. But that was an incredible play from Horford for sure. I would just like put Pat on him and say, listen, if, if if the Celtics move is to post up Horford on Pat, fine. I'd rather have that than wide open corner threes and, and whatever else the Bucks are allowing. 
But it's also if Pat's out there, I think the the instinct for the Celtics will be to go hunt him. And Pat hangs a lot better in those situations than teams expect. And yeah. I, I would back him. There's even a couple of possessions in this game where he ends up on Tatum, and I'm like, oh, don't like this. Yeah. One of them, for example, he comes up with the steal on the passing line, and <laughs> it's like I, he can he can live with that better than you expect because the the biggest weakness with Pat is you don't want him charging out at someone where obviously he's going to bite the pump fake. You know, this, yeah. this is Pat's greatest defensive weakness. But if his feet are set and he's he's in guarding position, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. He can hang better with most guys than I think, you know, someone like Tatum, maybe someone like uh, the entire Celtics coaching staff may expect. So th- yeah. that for me is the thing looking ahead. Now, not that, that solves everything because you're still, whether they're starting, whether they're on the bench, you're going to need stuff from Grayson and Bobby. Like there's, there's no other option. Uh, George Hill gave, I, I think overall he gave some solid minutes until it just completely fell off from defensively. But even before that, there was some good defense. And I, I think Hill can play a very positive role in the series still. Yeah. But I'm not expecting just back from injury and even with the way a lot of the season has been, where his age is at right now, that we're going to get a 15 or 18 point game like we were getting a couple of years ago from George Hill in the playoffs. Like the role players offensive explosion has to come from guys like Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis. And it's like, it's, it's time to step up right now for both of them. Uh, Grayson, like he hits a shot late in the game. His tree of seven doesn't look that bad, but I think it's generous in terms of what his reflection. He was lost. His his impact on the game. He was terrible. And Bobby, Bobby not shooting open trees, which is not something that has just happened in this game. It's happened in the series. It even happened a little against the Bulls. And I'm just kind of baffled by it. I don't know why. At what point has he lost some confidence in pulling the trigger on those trees? That's your entire game. You're really good at it. But it's something that in the postseason, he's been very hesitant to pull the trigger on. Just can't happen. Like even him being two two of seven and only zero of one from deep, one attempt from behind the three point line. The idea that like he gets an open tree, he catches, he pump fakes, the, the closeout comes, and then he's like, I'm gonna try and back down Al Horford. Like Bobby Al is a big dude. Like he's a big strong guy. You're not gonna back him down from the three point line easily. It's not your strong suit. He just needs to let fly needs to let fly on, on open three pointers and ultimately like we look at a game the books lose by eight points and we talk about Horford we talk about Tatum but we're not really getting into the specifics 14 to 37 from deep for the Celtics 9 of 27 from deep for the books like the 27 almost concerns me more because you're not giving yourself the kind of chance that the books often would in these and, kind of and games again important to note 10 of those are Giannis and Drew 17 actual legit well, look, shooter I, threes. Drew, Drew had a terrible game, but Drew can make trees, and I, I don't want to write that off. He can't, I, and he's made plenty of big ones. Giannis right now, what's Giannis down to like 13% from deep for the playoffs? It's it's unbelievably bad. If he wants to shoot one, he wants to shoot two. I don't have an issue with that. That's always kind of been the case, and we have seen there are games where he'll make a couple. There's no good reason for him to be shooting four. 
It's just there's no good reason. It's two wasted possessions at minimum. In this occasion, it was four wasted possessions. The counter on um, Drew is I feel like half of his games he's a really good shooter and half of his games he's terrible, but he'll just take the same volume nonetheless. Like he doesn't seem to have a sense or he just ignores it if if the shot is there or not. He's at 34% this postseason, still better than last postseason, uh, as we know. You're right, he's hit some big threes, but he just didn't – I don't know. It just, the, one, the one thing I appreciate about Drew, right, because you're saying he'll he, take the same volume good, no matter it's what. It's good that he won't stop, I know. With Chris out, like the books have got to live and die by that. And right now, like if we get more games like this, they're going to die by it. They're going to die by Drew wasn't good enough to hit the shots they needed. They didn't have Chris and the Celtics win. But if that's what happens, so be it. What you can't have is him not taking shots. So Drew has not had two particularly good games by any stretch of the imagination. But I will tip my hat to him for attempting 52 shots right over the two games. Like, it's something that we've often got on Chris about over the years. It's like, take the shots, you know, you particularly in big games, we need you to take the shots. Part of that is actually taking some of the strain off Giannis. Is it a lot, lot better if you're making more of them? For sure. Would it be nice to see better shot selection from him? 100%. But I do respect that he is recognizing his standing in the team and he's stepping up and taking the shots. Doesn't mean he can't get smarter. It certainly doesn't mean that he doesn't need to get smarter because he does. It's going to be essential to the books having a chance to get through to the conference finals. But it's also, it's not nothing that he's prepared to take them. And even in mapping out the rest of the series, as low as confidence might be on his offense at this point, the chances of the books getting what they need in any of these games are increased by just the fact that he is not backing down. He is willing to take those shots. And I mean, overall, Look, it could be something we just keep saying and we keep saying and the series is over and we're still saying it. I thought it was going to be tonight, particularly early on when it, they started kind of moving the ball well. I was like, okay, they found something. This could really kind of build up momentum as we go quarter to quarter. Um, I, I feel like they're going to have a, a good offensive game. I know this is a tough series for either team to do that in, but but I really do feel like they're going to find something in one of these games now you want to find at the right time you want to make sure you win the game where that happens um uh, to be fair to the celtics the celtics won the game for them where that happened like we they wasted an al horford game last time but they they could not afford like legitimately if they they lose this one series is over we yeah. wouldn't have been saying that we'd be saying oh no you've got to close it out of course they would but the books go up three one here I don't know if it would even go back to Milwaukee at that point. But that's the balance of it. That's playoff basketball. The books allow them to get in. The Celtics fight through it. And as much as we're going to focus on the books and I guess blame a books collapse, which was certainly um, the root cause of it. Celtics showing that they're they're there to fight uh, as much as you know, possession to possession. Uh, would I describe their play as fighting or falling on the ground? That's a different discussion. There is real spirit. There's real grit to this team. You have to put them away. They're not going to do it themselves. Yeah. And that's, like the that's an important tonight. lesson. If the books didn't know that by now, you're going to need to know that for what's the best of three series without home court.
That's what's frustrating, though, because they learned that last game. And they learned the Horford thing last game. It's literally the same situation where the Bucks show that they can be the better team. Strong third quarter. Build a lead. All you got to do is coast. All you got, trade bucket for bucket, trade stop for stop. Win by zero points over the last 12 minutes. It's like, okay, we got this in the bag. And, you know, they, they win game three, of course. It was not a sure thing by any means. And then this time, just take the implosion to a next level and basically lose by double digits. I mean... Nice little Rajon Tucker move at the basket makes it eight, but pretty much a 10-point game and, you know, comfortably over a couple minutes, not too many minutes, but a, a couple minutes. Grayson's three that makes the box score a liar uh, came, knocked it down to seven after it had been 10. You go, oh, maybe some life, and then Marcus well, he, Smart He had two. another, but Grayson had another wide open one the next possession, which if he makes that, like, it's still there for the Bucks to to have a chance at it. I think, I think he could have cut it to three. I think it was a six-point game, and Grayson had a wide-open shot that yep. he didn't make. Um, and then, yeah, Smart goes down the other end, and that's that's game over. Smart but, having the game that we the Bucks needed Drew to have is just like a dreadful feeling. He did to Drew what Drew tried to do to him and just could not do twice to basically ice the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. That's brutal. The books, the books need, yeah, the books need Drew to have more than what's smart tonight, though. Yeah, fair. But, I, yeah, I mean, uh, they need him to shoot more, I agree. But smart having two more points on ten less shots or whatever is pretty sure. tough. But the books need Drew to be in the Tatum-Horford category. Yeah. Like, or at least, at least that, you know, 
whoever does I think the the key thing for the Bucks is going to be because I think if you can cancel out the Celtics top few guys we know the advantage should swing the Bucks way as you get into the role players a little bit deeper down into rotation as you get to the Peyton Pritchards who Peyton Pritchard had zero points and um, Derek White had a really big game again that I'm not sure he'll have again in the series. He had 11 points, like 11 points off the bench is all that's there uh, for the Celtics. And that's without the books getting a whole lot. And we'll cancel out Rajon Tucker's garbage yeah, time. 20 points. You're getting 20 points off the bench when we would be saying, you know, Bobby, we need a whole lot more from you. I, I think that's something where if the Celtics top two guys, like we see tonight, if they're going to have 60 points, Okay, Giannis goes for 34. Drew, you've got to get 26. Yeah. And if Drew's not getting 26, well, then it's got to be Brooke. I, I don't. I actually don't think anyone else is capable in the books of stepping up to that kind of level. We've never seen them do it before. Even Bobby, like, not in a playoff setting. Can I ever think of Bobby getting up to that kind We've of heavy territory? We've seen Grayson do it against a fake team. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not expecting that from Grayson in this series. If that happens from Grayson, he's making like seven trees. So uh, I think maybe there's seven trees out there for a books player just because you think at some point someone's going to make some. But that that to me would be the thing. It's like, okay, what's what's the high end of Celtics contributions? If the books match them, they should win the game. If you lose that, you're you're putting yourself in trouble. And... You say it's basically a 10 point game. You know, Giannis and Drew are outscored by 10 points to the two top scorers for the Celtics. Yeah, I, so. I think the concern now is let's say they make the lineup change just to make this next part easier to talk about. Pat starts, Grayson's off the bench. I mean, could they not lose a game where the bench has like four points? With the way Grayson and Bobby have played and their inconsistency? I mean, maybe not four, but less than 10. And four will probably come from George Hill doing George Hill stuff and his you know, 18 minutes or whatever he'll get next game. Like, that's the concern now is, you know, maybe there's just nothing on the bench. You just – you need those two guys to show up. I mean, Hill, people I, – I, I need – we need to talk about Bud at some point. The Bud tweets were absolutely insufferable. I almost dropped an F-bomb and ruined the, the clean tag because I'm so just, fed up. It's just what happens though. Again, it's like it, – The it's fixation the on Hill fruit. is driving me crazy. I, I don't get that. I haven't got it all season. And I don't think George Hill had a great fourth quarter, but I'm um, I'm also like, why look at that? It's like, where are the options? Do people want Javon Carter in those minutes because if Jason Tatum had his way with George Hill, like give him an extra three inch advantage and even more when you take wingspan into account, and it would have been even easier. Um, go on, finish your talk if you don't want to do Bud now. It's just like the bench. I'm just worried about the the bench, the bench. I, um. Like they're just not. They just need more. I mean, it's that simple. I'm either either like a Drew. I'm not, above I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the bench. The bench. The books bench has consistently even tonight. Like as we're saying, they get twenty points out of it. Yeah, but how more, much of that was Pat? Who now we're talking about being a starter. But you you will work. You can get twenty points out of your three to four guys, as you said. George Hill could just come before. Like you're gonna you're gonna get probably six to eight from Grace, six to eight from Bobby. You'll get in that kind of range and particularly like tonight now time lord will be back but again in terms of offense that's not going to swing a whole lot tice pritchard Derek white you're gonna outscore their bench it's it's about what you're doing in the starting lineup 
Yeah, I mean, it's a problem that White scores as much as Grayson and, and Bobby in this game. That's what, it, but that's again, it's a factor more you lose. Like, well, yeah, I that's don't what think I'm that's, saying. I just, I'm don't worried that's going to be there. But I don't Boston. think it has to be a game five thing. Like, I don't think it has to be game five, game no, no, six, no. game seven. But yeah, sure, tonight that's a definitely a factor in you losing. Yeah, now I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just concerned that it could, just with the inconsistency we've seen from Grayson and Bobby. Like, it's well, they the, don't lose the game because of something like that tonight, right? But what happens is. This game should have been a blowout. And I think in the third quarter, like 10, 11 points, that's a good lead. But it's not a lead where the game is, you know, where you can coast or where you can even lose control of it for a couple of minutes and you're right there. They lost control of it for about 90 seconds and it wasn't even their worst spell. And all of a sudden the lead's gone. And then if you have a really bad spell, well, the game's just going to get away from you entirely beyond what you can get back. It's exactly what happened. That comes down to where you're not getting anything from Grayson and what Derek White's doing. Like that's where that factors in. Andrew, what, what was a 10, 11 point game probably should have been closer to an 18, 20 point game at that point with how dominant Giannis was in the third, with just how the Celtics struggled to really get anything going even early. If you look at the first quarter, the first quarter was closer than it should have been. And that's kind of a trend. End of quarters, not something that I feel like the books finished out very well in this game. No. Um, even when they're starting quarters, like it's funny the third quarter issue seems to have gone in the playoffs. Three straight third quarter wins now, yeah. And it's it's they're fighting different spots to just not show up. <laughs> um ends ends of games, ends of games, ends of quarters, which is not ideal. Maybe they should switch back to <laughs> not coming out in third quarters and come out in the fourth. That's a possibly a better strategy but well, it felt yeah, like it the second quarter the one we haven't talked about was that was their chance to really you do better in that quarter then you can build that real lead through the third and they were bad in the second quarter because the ball movement stuff that we've talked about and said is so important that it worked first quarter we saw it right away i mean again the lead should have been more Giannis is making some beautiful passes and bobby portis is you know doing the electric slide to 18 feet and throwing it off the back of the rim or grayson is missing but the second quarter, they just stopped moving the ball. And I think that some of that is Drew playing more and, and just trying to do so much and accomplishing very little. Uh, but just in general, like they, they don't move the ball way too often. It's it That's down to – because we always say ball movement and I always try to talk about People players movement. moving as well. Yeah. yeah. Because you can't move the ball if it's Giannis or Drew you know, at the top of the arc – and you've got two static guys in corners who are covered, and you may have Brooke inside. You know, if if you're have if you've easy kind of pickoffs for the Celtics on all of your passing options, the ball is going to move, and Drew's going to take a terrible shot, or maybe Giannis will take one of his trees, or you're just going to drive into traffic. And if you're not one going to produce a moment of magic because you're Giannis, or two going to draw contact and get to the free throw line it's a, basically a turnover possession. So it's in those kind of spots, like what I've always talked about with this when it happens with the books, and it was a bud staple with the Hawks. That's really just basic stuff. Like it's the kind of thing that I would have thought like by osmosis would have been ingrained this, into this team from like Kyle Corver's time there. Just get, get guys to cycle through those spots. You know, having a guy in the corner um, having your quadrants, even if that's what you're focusing on, it's like 
there is nothing that is stopping you from, particularly when most of the time the books have capable shooters out there at all spots. Like Brooke again, like Brooke, oh, one from deep. We're not seeing Brooke outside of the paint get shots at all. And His I know Brooke three is, was terrible. I know, and I know he's a hit and miss shooter, but we we also can't say that he can't make shots. I've been calling out for him in the corners for quite a long time. Yeah, that's a shot he's got. Don't be afraid to just cycle through those spots. Like it's better than standing still. You're creating movement. You're creating the chance for the Celtics to have a defensive breakdown. Don't allow them to just settle in and be like, there's 12 seconds left on the shot clock here and we don't have to move. You, It's up to you to find a way through this. It's like, move them around. Yeah, Move them around. If you move, you've got guys like Pat, guys like Grayson, should have a guy like Bobby who, you know, on the move, catch and shoot should be an option where maybe you get a good three-point look, particularly Grayson. Like, that's a shot that Grayson is good at. Even one of the trees did make comes from that kind of scenario. Pat is really good at that shot. Two of Pat's trees and I come from that. Just don't be afraid to move in those situations, even more so. I, I don't know if it's more important when Giannis is on the floor without Drew or when Drew is on the floor without Giannis <laughs> because when Giannis is on the floor without Drew and if he's there and you're not doing anything to help him create space you're just you're taking his energy away from him for late in game on top of how you're impacting the possession at the time yeah i mean you see them find pay dirt on these like empty corner dho's to get Giannis on a jalen and i love they when they attack from the baseline it's so hard for boston to stop him because it's so easy for him to see where the help is coming from and then they just won't do it for like a quarter and it's just like why What, what was the what was the pivot that made you go away from this and the the thing with Drew, sometimes you know, I agree it's it's on everyone on the court uh, to move and and make ball movement. Sometimes the shot is up before guys can really move. But yeah. it drives me crazy that so many of these Lopez possessions, almost all of his points came when he is moving toward the rim along with a ball handler. When they park him in the dunker spot, I just feel like it zaps their offense entirely. Like nothing gets done because the Boston bigs can just sit down there. And for all that Brooke can do, like. He's such a good post player. Him in the post in traffic has been a disaster for the Bucs. Yeah, like he doesn't traffic, move he, quickly enough. He gets stripped pretty Every time. as well. Yeah, it's just like you can't – so when he's there, he's not – unless he's catching a lob, he's just not accomplishing much. So I'd much rather either put him in the corner and move other guys around more or like screen and roll with him. Like he's been so good. He catches those lobs. He puts them in. He gets offensive rebounds that way. As is, he literally just stands there, get box, gets boxed out, can't get to the rebound and then has to jog up court like from the farthest away position possible. They just need to you like just place him better on offense. Like so many of these possessions where he's just there, like right right out under the edge of the backboard. It just feels like you're getting zero out of him when you start possessions that way, and he doesn't move. And it's about decision making too, because Brooke is a better post player than you looked tonight. You've got to go to Brooke in the post when Giannis is off the floor. Because if Giannis is on the floor, you give the ball to Brook in the post. What can you rely on? You can rely on Grant Williams is down there. Al Horford is down there. Because they're there already, not worrying about Brook, but worrying about Giannis. So suddenly you give the ball to Brook. You've got big, strong guys who are there ready to battle with him physically. And you'll get a Marcus Smart, a Jason Tatum, ready to come in and just swipe at the ball. And it's it's there because Brook is like seven foot two. Holds the ball really low when he works his way through the post. Yeah, it's there for you. If Giannis isn't on the floor, 
you're not going to have that same mass of bodies there. And you may get them one-on-one with one of those guys, which is a very different proposition. So that comes down to just better decision-making, picking your moments. Like if you want to go to Bud, you could draw up more in those scenarios and you could basically come up with a better division of how you're going to Brook between who's on the floor and who's off the floor. And Bud can do that. Like the, in terms of coaching, there is always ways that a coach can coach a better game, that the books can be better offensive through their coaching. But it's always going to come down to the decisions the players are making within the flow of the game too. And particularly say Drew tonight, the decisions are bad. And that's really, really difficult to overcome from a coaching perspective. But I like I'm I'm past the point where I care, where I pay any attention to, where I get frustrated, because it's the narrative. It's been the narrative for years. It's been the narrative pre-books. It will continue to be the narrative. All true Bud sign with the books, post the books if he's elsewhere. Like it, everyone's decided it's on Bud. And to be a books player, that's probably pretty sweet because I think it, you know, it lets some of them off the hook. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's more of a half and half thing. I did not think it was a tremendous Bud game. I think there's some things he's done pretty well all series. The the lack of more defined offense, especially in the only one of Giannis or Drew minutes, continues to be a struggle for a lot of these games. The other thing with the Brook thing is it's how you post him up. Like instead of getting him like straight out of the basket in the paint, like again, get him in a corner, not all the way in the corner, but on the baseline, I mean, and let him post from there where you don't have someone coming at him from every single angle. They just make it so hard for him. I mean, you get him right in the middle of the paint and this Celtics literally coming from any direction. Plus, usually more help in the paint when Giannis is out there. It's just like you, you do a couple, like work a little harder. Get You can get better shots. And a game like this, pretty much every game in this series, maybe not game two, uh, that's the difference. So it, there is all these little just frustrating things left on the table. Uh, also, I thought Grayson played too much. I think he hit the three and then Bud was just like, well, he's just going to play now because – Pat's wrist got banged up. I don't know if we've gotten any – if he's okay or what. I hope he's okay. Um, but I think at that point it was like – He was back in the game after that, right? I thought he was. He didn't. He only played like five minutes in the fourth quarter though. Yeah, I, I feel like he was back in after that, so I assume so. Um, yeah, I think I think he is. There's been no, no reports from, from anyone on it, so I assume well, he's, that, he's good. That was, a, that was a push by Tatum that was essentially like – bowling like yeah he pushed Wes into Pat and they all end up in the ground which plenty plenty of plays like both sides like that in the second half were just like bodies everywhere it's crazy the, the one thing on Bud I will say the the criticism that if you want to make it is there and it's valid but it's not it's not a simple one it's not even a simple solution which is to just say you've got to drop more plays you've got to have more structure to the offense and what I will say to that is, first of all, it's just not how the books are done. It's not who the books are. It's not how they play. We know this. We know the whole philosophy is about empowering the players on the court, trusting them to make decisions, basically coming up with ideas of how you want to play and letting the players make choices to define what that looks like on the court. We know decisions from that can often be really bad. We know when it works, it's pretty near unstoppable. The, the issue with that right now is you don't have Chris Middleton. So your best shot maker 
is out and that makes it more difficult to play without a set structure in place. So what do you do? Do you go into a really rigid structure which the team isn't used to because Chris isn't there? I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if that is a solution, how well that would work because it is not how the books are designed to play. And ultimately, that is, that is a story of where they are and of these playoffs. And it speaks to just how great this team is, how great Giannis is, that everyone has obsessed over this Celtics team for like three months. Still, people are drooling every time they step on the floor. It's like the greatest team the world has ever seen, Ty. The books should probably be 3-1 up. And as things are, they're all square without their second, third best player, depending what way. I'm comfortable uh, with second again. I was about to say, uh, his absence has probably bumped him up the spot that he didn't have when he went down injured. That's right. Especially but, against Boston, <laughs> maybe their first best player, quite honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think there's more of a middle ground. And this is, you know, a bigger conversation for another day. But looking at the way the last every playoff series ever has gone for the Bucks. Maybe it would have been worth a, a wider ranging change to how they do offense. Again, doesn't have to scrap what they've done forever. Maybe just add a little bit more as they say seasoning to the offense but, just generally. Could, could you know what I think the biggest key to doing that is, and it's the thing that like it's this the season thing's always there and so much of it always gets drawn out. I do think a crucial thing that the books would need to make a really kind of tangible shift to how they're working offensively to the structure they put into their offense would be to have a point guard who is better equipped to do that yeah that's not drew's game and that's fine because drew gives the books a lot of great stuff let's like look past what he's given tonight (laughs) um because we know like they don't have a championship without drew holiday and in spite of a rocky playoffs last year too they're not winning that championship they're not coming through particularly the finals without drew that doesn't mean there isn't a way in future you could look to combat that in terms of where you spend your money, although what a hilarious statement to make given the book situation and given their willingness to do things. Um, but the books more than anyone could probably do it like a really strong featured offensive guard off the bench. And the focus has always been defensive guards and they've managed to get some pretty good ones. They've managed to have some hit and miss guards. I think last year it was clear the need for another offensive guard and there wasn't really anyone there, but they ended up with Jeff Teague. And the reason they went for a player like Jeff Teague was obvious. And that kind of still applies. You just want like prime Jeff Teague, not finish Jeff Teague. Yeah. I almost think this could be a starter too, but it's just hard to find someone good enough to take the ball out of Drew and Chris's hands that much with the resources the Bucks have. But you'd love I, I to have think... George Hill of two years ago. Yeah, like that's right now. You would really love to have that version of him, just a with a non-torn in half neck. Yeah, uh, that too for sure. Drew has yet to shoot above forty percent from the field this series. Has not hit forty percent since game one. You know, whether he's a true point guard or not, it's going to have to be better than that. I mean, again, we can talk about adjustments and seasoning and everything else. Drew's the kind of player that got himself a bunch of solid looks. I mean, he's getting to the paint. He's getting to mid-range. He's got a ton. I will say for his threes, I know I scoffed it and called them, so don't even count them in, in threes. He took, like, almost all open. Like, I think they were all good looks. He just couldn't hit them. And that's the thing, the silly thing with the fixation on Bud. 
I mean, maybe not all, but I know at least a couple were like catch and shoot corner threes, just bricks. Like the coaching stuff doesn't matter if Drew's going to be five for 22. And also generally tonight, Booksmith's plenty of good looks. Like when we look at their shooting and we look at what let them down and we even when we talk about the, the guys who they need more from, like you can't come at Bud and say that Bobby didn't have three really good wide open three point looks in the corners when Bobby decided to just not take any of them. <laughs> like, well, what does your coach do about that? It's an eight point game. Like that, that's, that's the reality of it. It's like every one of those would be a big deal. Something that at the time I like the, it always felt like it was a game that could no matter it was there for the books to win in a big way in the second half, but it was always, you know, if they loosen up just a little bit, if they take their foot off the accelerator, this is going to end up really close. And from the moment that Giannis was called for the tech uh, for staring down Horford, I was like, like, let's, let's just ignore the call. And Tony Butters saying that's a tech and like the right and wrong of that. But when it happens, I'm like, you don't want to be given any points away in this game. In Horford this also like, said that moment got him going for whatever it's worth. But yeah, I, I don't care about that because it got Giannis yeah. going too. Like Giannis yeah. absolutely destroyed him and the Celtics in the third quarter off the back of that moment. So I don't care about that. I'm sure Hor- Horford is going to say that. And I'm sure it's true. Like he's not making it up, but it also got Giannis going. Like it's not those two guys delivered from that moment on over the course of the game. Like. <laughs> I, I think that's that's fair to say. But that's a moment where I'm like, every point matters in this game. And then you think back to the times where just guys aren't hitting shots, aren't taking shots they should be taking. Um, simple looks that aren't being finished. There were spells in this game where the books looked pretty dominant on the glass, and there were times where they looked completely lost and they weren't getting anything. The one Grayson missed that Tatum got and put back absolutely killed yeah, me. Yeah, that, that I didn't is, want to see him play again after that. Well, that's that was kind of the killer in the game too. Like that's when it really was. You're like, okay, it's not just the Celtics have grabbed a lead here. It's like they're they've grabbed a lead and they're running away with it. So that's that's the the concern. You know, that's all the. All the problems there, it's because even when you're creating quality shots, one guys have to make them. But first and foremost, I, you've got to take them. And that is the one place where, again, I, I will cut Drew Holiday some slack because I, I think the thing that I would be most disappointed in him and would be just... I Like, the books couldn't be in games if he was taking, like, 10 shots. If he was Eric Bledsoe in a real way. Not the play. I didn't occasionally choke up twenty. I don't know if that would. That might have been better in this game. Where are the shots going? Like Giannis, Giannis had all that he could handle. Well, you you need to. I mean, I, I know easier said than done. You need Grayson shooting more. You need Bobby shooting happen. more. It wasn't happening tonight for Bobby, which well, Bobby he was shooting, just not me. the ones that we want. Well, he wasn't even like seven shots in total. Seven shots in fifteen minutes. Like by Bobby Porter's standards, that's not exactly gunning. Like Bobby he, is not shy. In the first half, he was one for six in less than twelve minutes, which is pretty, pretty kind of gunning. But the problem is, only one was a three, despite having all those open looks. So he's one for five from two. And again, talked about that second quarter where the Bucks could have taken a much bigger lead into that third quarter and built on it. They're leading by one because they lose Bobby's eleven forty-four by ten points because he doesn't make 
any shots except for one and just is not that impactful. Bobby still fascinates me. Like, and I, I just, I, I find him, the idea of him within the team, what he brings when he's at his best, how he hurts you when he's at his worst. Like he really is kind of a swing player on this team, but even just the thought process that goes into that, the thought process that's going to go into it in the off season for the books, when you're going to be facing a big payday there. The thing I've always had is like, Brooke is the glue for the books. Brooke is the center and the concern you have, and we got to see it play out in the regular season this year is Brooke's time is coming to an end. You know, he's, he's getting on an age. We're seeing the health problems already. How do you replace that? Because he's so central to what the books do that without Brooke, you almost have to tear the whole script up and look at a whole bunch of different ways that you play. Bobby's not doing that. So then Bobby's got to be Bobby. And when a game like this comes along and he's not, not able to deliver on that, that's just really disappointing. Like, and it's surprising too. I, I say that even as someone who at times has very openly doubted Bobby Portis, this is not what I ever expect the issue to be with Bobby, that he's going to get quality looks in the corners and he's not going to take them. That's weird. And as I said, not just this game, not just this series, there are instances of it against the Bulls even. So I don't know what that's about. He had a great shooting season again. He's been great shooting with the books. Like, gotta let it fly. Yeah, otherwise you turn into a fake shooter, and we know the Bucks do not do well with those. Bobby Portis in the regular season took 4.7 threes per game. In the playoffs, he's taking 4.8 per game, but that's before this one. I do wonder how many of those are from the Bulls series and not the the uh, Celtics series. I don't know. I'm just bummed. It, it was really a winnable game, and the fact that they could have been up 3-1 over the Celtics without Chris Middleton, and you know, as you said earlier, all but punched the ticket to the next round where you can hopefully get Chris back. To now go into this place where could they win the series? Sure, they could. It's a tied series. Anyone could win. You know, are they? I shouldn't ask if they're going to be favored to that. They've never been favored even when they were up two one or one zero. But they were, I don't know. They were favored today. Oh, are they? I, I, don't, I keep looking at Ringer. I need to stop doing that. Yeah, but why? I don't know why for this series in particular. I, it gets me better That's... tweet content. It's probably going to be ninety nine percent Celtics at the Ringer after this game. But probably. I don't know. I I just don't feel great. I just feel like the holes keep yeah, I mean, showing, and it's just going to be tough. It's the best of three series. You've got to go play two games in the Garden. There, there's not a reason to feel great about it. Like, yeah, TD Garden is going to be madhouse. We'll see how the officiating breaks go with that. Uh, my look, my overall thing on that is I do not think the officiating has been anywhere near as bad in this series as everyone makes out to be. And where it has been bad, I, I think it's kind of pretty evenly bad, like which is pretty standard in the NBA. I thought game three was abysmal overall. The rest of the series been okay. It wasn't good, but I don't care. I don't know why everyone else cares so much. Just play the game. Go and win the game on the court. It's like the rest are out of your control. Like the Celtics are spending so much time on it. That will be my the thing that will really annoy me if they lose the series is like I've never seen a team, a coaching staff to just cry, to just moan constantly. It's like go try and beat the books on the court. 
And honestly, what I was feeling like is they didn't think they could do that in a regular way, which, you know, Boston Celtics, maybe I shouldn't tell them this. You absolutely can. Like, <laughs> you can have the whistle go against you and you have good enough players and with the spot the books are in, you can go and beat them. You don't need to spend all of your energy on the officials. But I don't know. It, it didn't even work for them tonight. Like, I think all of that backfired against them. It backfired against them with the crew they got. Um, They weren't getting any better calls throughout the game. Although, as I said earlier, I don't know if they were necessarily looking for them because they were just fouling, like, just dead on, no debate, fouls, relentlessly throughout much of the game. But we'll see how that that pans out in Boston because that that is an obvious concern. And if you're the books... I don't want to say, look, you never you never say the books are ever out of anything or have to win a game because if it goes this way, they won't. But you'd really, really like to get game five. Yeah, I mean, you really would like to get this one because I thought they did get sure, a good this whistle gone, in this, this game. No, I know, but that, I'm just saying that the, the umpteenth reason you'd really want to get this one, but they did get I a know, good whistle. I, I Look, I... Think the way the two teams play is also going to dictate the whistle. There's only so much room that a whistle can go one way or another. Like, is something like the end of game three where the books don't have a free throw in the final, what was it, 11 minutes something? Like, is that weird? Yes. That was in Milwaukee. Like, I, I, I don't think that can be something that they can preoccupy themselves with. Um, I personally... Maybe you disagree. Maybe the books themselves disagree. I think we only get John Horst um, picking up the phone, so his his view on officiating goes uh, is printed on the Athletic, and everyone gets to hear about it because of all the Celtics are doing. And it's essentially we're not going to let them control this narrative by themselves. Yeah, like we're not going to give room for them to influence it. It's got to be something where both sides are complaining, both sides are having their say on it just got to go and play the game and for the books gotta make some shots you know if if the hot shooting game comes in game five no one's really going to care about anything else and the books are going to be in a great great spot to win the series still but window is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and that is your point where yes this hurts but this has happened you got to move on like it's it's done. The Bucks can still beat the Celtics two out of three times without a doubt. No problem to them, even without Chris. Just gotta go and do it. Like it's it's as simple as that. And that comes down to the kind of things we don't talk about very often because it's not interesting and it's kind of sounds like empty analysis. Guys have got to make shots. Guys have got to play better. Bobby Portis got to play better. Grace Allen got to play better. Drew Holiday got to play better. If that doesn't happen, Bucks are gonna lose the series. And honestly, at the end of it, it's going to be one big shrug. It's going to be, yeah, that wasn't good. It sucks they went out like that because in spite of Chris's injury, things were there for him. Chance there to go and win another championship. Get to another finals. If those guys don't deliver, though, you're not going to do it. Yeah, uh, and I think it's going to be an interesting offseason if it plays out that way. The last thing. And I'm an idiot because if they went and got stopped in Game Five, I would still believe. I know I'm an idiot. It's because of the Nets series. But you wouldn't be an idiot. I'd you be wouldn't an idiot. be. They'd have a, they'd have a game at home to tie the series up, and then you've got one game, winner advances, and you've got the best player on the court. Like, 
I, I don't think you'd be an idiot. How are they I'll trading be, for Al Horford? <laughs> I mean, Al Horford was not the the leading scorer in this game, by the way. I did close. joke about it because I had a tweet, which I'm sure by the time I get off this pod and look at it, Celtic fans are probably all over where I tweeted about, I hope everyone was enjoying the Giannis era um, and that the Celtics were getting absolutely owned. And within five minutes, I decided to quote tweet it with, I hope everyone is enjoying the Al Horford era. <laughs> the books are getting absolutely owned. <laughs> That's good. So, um, no, I, I, I say I'm an idiot because I just feel like they. We, you know, we talked about before they turned around the Bulls series that they just have not played like four complete quarters. And it's kind of been similar in this series. Again, you don't want to take all the credit away from Boston, but the Bucks just have these long several-minute lapses, and I think it usually starts offensively, and they just lose the rope and either let the Boston build a lead or give up their lead. And it's just it, the cadence of the series has been frustrating. Like there's – these elating third quarters, and then it's like, oh, my God. They, I remember I was like, oh, I think they'll probably need to steal a minute or two without Giannis. Can you stay alive in that minute? Because otherwise, you got Giannis, you'll be fine. And they're just like, yeah, we have Giannis, and we're just going to give up the lead immediately anyway. It's just like, how? So much what you're describing there. It was just like what happened last year. Too. I know, I know. Like, I th- know. That's, that's the thing. I, I just I, – I... I'm not saying I don't get the frustration when they lose a game like this, but it, like it's the same way they won a championship last year. And it's something that books fans really, you know, if they're not already, you know, on the same page, if they haven't come to terms with it for their own physical and mental health, it's not possible. It's a good idea to just recognize this is how the books do it, whether they're going to win or they're going to lose playoff books. Basketball looks like this. Like that's that's how it is. Maybe it's someday, some point, someday, it could be different. No. Right now, it's not. This no. is how it looks. This is how it feels. They managed to come through that last year. Is everything about that repeatable? Is it sustainable to try? Is it and a win good idea to year? do this? No, no. But it doesn't mean that they won't do it again. Uh. Like it's definitely possible. But that to me, it's like you get a game like this. It's the reason I'm not like on the floor. And at no point, other than maybe when Chris's injury happens, have I been down like I would have been on multiple occasions in last year's postseason. Because we know what the journey can look like for this team. And everything they do always suggests it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be easy. They're going to do some dumb things. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot. But often, they just still find a way to come through it. So that's... That's kind of, and I'm not like overly optimistic. I'm not trying to put something there to like send everyone home happy. I just, I do think that's the case for the books. They, that, they could run out of luck on that in this series, 100% possible. But I don't think if they lose game five, it's like, oh, it's a wrap. Do I know like 50 people on Twitter and in the Discord who will be saying that or are already saying that? <laughs> no, it's been for sad. sure. For sure. That I can't say time. for certain. Because I'm not looking, I'll take a couple of days. So I only check out the the Brewers channel on our Discord, and although I'm not checking that out tonight either. Uh, Big Woody not not getting it done either. Drew <laughs> no, Holiday esque. It's well, possibly worse. We will, we will not talk about giving up ten runs to the Cincinnati Reds tonight. Um, but it's just this is who this team is for better and for worse, and we've already seen what the better looks like. So 
I'm prepared to stick with them through inevitable torture, regardless of what the outcome may be. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, they literally broke Rohan's brain. It's done. doesn't work anymore. Feel, get, feel better soon. Rohan's dealing with some migraines, I think. But he tweeted that, so I don't think I'm pulling an Adam Schefter and violating HIPAA. I was going to say, can you say that with HIPAA? <laughs> I'm also – I'm even less of a doctor than he is. Um, last thing, I will take my apology on saying Jeff would be a better hang than Stan Van Gundy. Um, Stan was the awful. Stan is one of the worst. Was one of the worst broadcasts I've ever seen. I'm just trying to think. Jeff is not like I. I still think Stan might be a better hang. Now, if Did the you see is, when Horford elbowed onto Takumpo in the face and only only gave up one free throw? That's a great trade. What? I if the question was would I rather listen to Jeff's commentary or Stan's? At the time, I would have also fought for Stan, and I would apologize on that. Yeah, I still think Stan that. could be a better hang. Fair, but I miss Jeff was, on the call. Does he still do games? Have we just not gotten him? We're just on TNT all series. And it's the same again. So I'm sure it's Stan and BA on Wednesday, is it? Yeah, it's every other day now. I know Brian Anderson said up top that Game 5 would be on TNT as well. So I'm going to guess we're going to get some more Stan. Stan just wants it to be UFC. I couldn't I, I, I thought you know just, Twitter. There, there was so much wild stuff he said, as in some wildly inaccurate stuff. Which during the regular season, I didn't feel like that was a thing. I know a lot of people have been praising Stan too for his attention to detail. I don't know has that gone away with the playoffs somewhat, which would be a weird thing too because you've got two teams in a series. Like if that's your series, yeah, and you're seeing them over and over, but some pretty outlandish stuff. Um, let alone commentary on some of the fouls and some of the physicality. The Bucks don't generate turnovers at one point. And I was like, that doesn't sound super the one, accurate. The one that got me was either it was first or second quarter. It was definitely first half when Marcus Smart flops and gets the call. And he's like, anyone calling that a flop? You know, they have no <laughs> idea what it feels like. You know, Giannis's strength. I was like, what? You're, you're, NBA coach, you know the rules of the game. The rule is not if the other guy's stronger, you get the ball. Like, it just <sighs> makes no sense whatsoever. The, yes, the, that was terrible, but I think he's a better hang than Jeff still. Uh, well, I, I'm not, Give me one more thing. game, though, and I, I could yeah. change my mind on that. I don't want to listen to commentate, but... Celebrating the elbow, just I, I just didn't get it. And I wasn't, like, up and on. I, I, I got his point, but it was a dumb thing to say it's, he was so what, he, what he needed to say is you know Horford got his money's worth out of it is really what he was you know if they're if they're both gonna get a technical Horford was the one who he got value out of it which is what he was trying to say but he bungled that even in a way that just yeah made him seem pretty bloodthirsty well, he did that because he was rooting for the Celtics and he was if if why Bobby is he rooting Portis? for the Celtics though I'm not no disputing idea. that he is but I don't like, there's lots of people rooting for the Celtics. We know this. Is it because um, the Bucks just don't talk to anyone, so none of the media actually like them? 
they're like, if Bud's not going to tell us the starting lineup, we're just going to root for the Celtics. Or just, you know, they like to do those little interviews to like give them like color, like for the, for the, like, I know football, maybe basketball doesn't do it as much. Uh, but I don't, I don't see as many of them on TNT. Well, no, not, not even showing them, but sometimes they'll just like chat with the teams, right? And like get some info. They don't record it. It's just for background. MA is probably, you know, oh, this, this, that, ha, ha, ha. Those shots are always going to be there for Al Horford. Our guys need to flop more. And then, Oh, bud, what are you guys working on? Don't worry about it. Playing basketball, five on five. Who are you starting? Don't you'll see. I'm just not going to tell you. They want the John Horse call instead. They want yeah. the John Horse is giving exclusives on his. Maybe I mean, I don't know. It's also I don't feel it's the crew for that. Um, maybe Stan is trying to balance it out. He's like, hey, Brian Anderson, like that's a real Milwaukee guy here. <laughs> I've got, I've got to be the Celtics guy, which doesn't work like that because yeah, BA's a pro, you know he's he plays he's it play straight, play. just loves good ball in every sport. Yeah, I look, we're I think we're gonna get more stand on Wednesday, so we can revisit that then. Hopefully, the game has gone away where we don't even have to talk with Stan on Wednesday's pod. Yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Also, what he says, it could be the greatest game ever. We might have to bring him up, but. Do you have but anything one, else? One thing. Okay. One thing. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I've been the person who has believed it essentially wouldn't happen all along. We're getting deep in this series. This series could go all the way. It's not impossible that Chris comes back before this is over. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Could be a very bad decision. But like we, it's something that we actually can take put at his word on. Not that he said anything for sure, but he was asked would he play game three or game four. He definitely said no. And there was more of a hedge when it was asked if we would see him before the end of the series. I always thought it would be game six or nothing. So like you said, in that game five win, I actually was thinking after game three, if you split four and five and Chris comes back for game six and is somehow able to play well and you win... That would be a very Bucks storybook-esque thing. I didn't factor in that it would be the most Bucks thing if they lost home court in devastating fashion first, which of course it is. But steal one more in Boston, bring Chris back, hits a couple threes, a couple stops. Would be pretty nice. I'm not going to obviously bank on that, but I would certainly take it at this point. I mean, the other thing with like with the swings of this series, I think it's interesting to look at the other series in the East. For momentum swings and compare the two things and how they feel. Like this is legitimately, you just say, okay, it's best of three, and you kind of forget about what's gone before. Because where we came out of after stealing game one, series was back to Milwaukee, and we're like, look, could have been worse. They've taken home court, they've split. It's kind of the same here, too. It's like, yeah, the opportunity was there. Celtics got it back. It's I don't know. I, it's not something that I think tomorrow books fans will feel differently about it than they likely do right now. If not tomorrow, maybe by Wednesday morning. Um, like the series is still right there, and it's in a spot that if it's the start of the series, you'd said to books fans, it's going to be two-two going into Game Five. Do you think the books will win the series? I think most books fans will say the books will win the series, and like that's. That's kind of the spot where it still applies. And I also don't think on anything we're seeing on the court, there's reason to say, oh, no, the Celtics are definitely going to win it. Like, the Celtics are having to come up with some crazy stuff and finding it really, really difficult. 
to get a game like this. The one thing is just the book's not putting the games away where they are. I'm not even talking about losing tonight. I just mean even game three. It's like games that at other times, and I guess it is when Chris is there and you've got one other like true legitimate score, games where you're in control, you put it to bed and it's like you're up 15 to 20 points. We can get like plenty of minutes from Luca Vildoza and you're cruising on to the next game. That is the issue because if you're going to let the Celtics hang around every game, you're just going to lose some by way of them being close too. Like that is something for when we pinpoint all the things that went wrong tonight. It's also just what can happen. Like if you, you stay within, don't you ever heard, it's a game of runs, Ty. And if you stay within range of one of those runs, you can get caught the wrong side of it. And tonight the books should have been out of reach from one run, bringing it back to a tie game. They weren't. So when that happens, then you're susceptible to the whole thing falling apart as it did. But- I do think, uh, I, re- I know we're <laughs> 70 minutes into this brutal loss podcast. The one, I did, in addition to the bench stuff I said earlier, and just Drew as, an, as a whole item, which I think we're, we're well aware. The other concern is, you know, this Horford thing, as much as we wanted to just call it the Horford game in game three. And, you know, do I think he's going to play this well again? Yes. So I don't want to jinx it. <sighs> okay, yes, I good. do. However, I, I was being accused of saying that he wouldn't. I was like, that wasn't me saying that about Al. I, I was like, well, it was either you or Ty. And I said, well, let's blame Ty then. <laughs> That's what happens on these podcasts. Can you confirm that you did? It sounds like I you said, said it, it first. I think you agreed okay. with me pretty heartily, though. But uh, I sure. do think we'll check covering him is a problem for the Bucks, just because sure. the Lopez thing is not super comfortable with it. Giannis has not done great. And again, it's like Bobby just... That, that should be... Bobby should be able to. That should be the Bobby spot. And I do think you probably need to try it again in game five. I don't think you can just go away from him yet. They just don't have enough options. Why, but, but why did Bobby get hooked tonight? Offense. Exactly. Yeah. So Bobby out there defensively, maybe you could have actually done something with some of those possessions. He could not score. He was terrible. Like he wasn't taking the shots that he needs to take. Like that's that's the scary thing there. Now... I would like to think that won't happen again because it's just not really in Bobby's character. It's not the way he approaches the game. But that was the problem. Like, Bobby getting hooked for offense is just disastrous. I Honestly, yeah. I would never have seen that one coming. But maybe, maybe maybe he still can for, for defense take some of those all Horford positions. Well, I think, you know, if Bobby Portis wants to cement his status on the Bucks, his minutes in the rotation and... You know, that, that contract that we've talked about for so long that's presumably awaiting in free agency, fixing that stuff and having a big game five and helping the Bucks win would, would do it right there. The easiest way to erase a bad playoff game is to come out and make up for it the next time. So certainly not over. Big Bobby game, better Drew game, and, and game five is going to be eminently winnable. They just have to go do it, as is always the case with the Giannis-era Bucks. Yeah, Bobby can stay for basically as long as he wants on a very healthy contract if he shows up for two of the next three games. Yeah, agreed. Same with Grayson? I mean, he's already signed the deal. Grayson's here for a while anyway. He's on that deal for a while anyway. We'll see if he's here or not. But Like right now, when we know how decisions like these are made, (laughs) um, we know how when there's a squeeze, things will factor in. If you're Bobby, like Pat's leader in the clubhouse, if it's one into two, Pat's the guy right now that you'd be like, oh, well, he played better. 
he's probably actually more consistent. You can rely on him being able to be on the floor in the playoffs more than you can rely on Bobby, even if Bobby is the higher variance guy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We'll have whole podcasts. I was going to say, I can't even, I can't even do this. We we will have whole podcasts to vote to that. So I don't even know what way I come down just yet on, well, who would I go to? But if you're Bobby and you really want to stay in Milwaukee, which it would seem like he really does. And you also want to get paid. Like those things are real. Those things are real. They're in front of your eyes. And I'm, I doubt he's oblivious. It wouldn't be his focus, but I doubt he's oblivious to it. So go earn your deal like go earn your deal and i think unlike pj tucker a year ago uh, you will get paid even if it's at a major cost if you do what's what's there to be done which is be bobby portis like be the guy that not only have you been with the books but even the guy you've been before you were with the books in an offensive sense that's kind of what what's needed from him right now need to be bobby biatch Sure, Ty. Thought that line would land better. Well, alas, I, I'm Slice. out of stuff. I, yeah, are you? Is that? Is that? Are we? Are we good here? Yeah, we're definitely good. I'm sad, but I do think you nailed it. By at least by Wednesday morning, I'm gonna be optimistic again. Drunk on Bucks basketball forever. Uh, usually Rohan does the outros. Feel better, Rohan. Um, but yeah, you, I need some... to, you manage. I can manage. I got it. I got okay. it. I'm going full Juhadi. Clear out. I got this. I'll, I'll get somewhere. I'll take a shot. We'll see if it lands. Uh, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, wherever you're listening, please. If you have not already, Apple or Spotify, the two most popular, but the Eurostep Podcast Network is available all over, including YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hello, you're the fabled 18% or whatever. If you've made it this far, appreciate you even more. Please also subscribe on YouTube. Just subscribe both places. Wherever you listen, it really does mean a lot to us. It's totally free. Uh, so subscribe on YouTube and your podcast platform of choice. Leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and send it to us to get in the Eurostep Podcast Network Discord. And you can get your review read on air if you want to leave that and send it to us. Um, merch, gspnstore.com. Buy the merch. Neither of us are wearing it tonight. Probably because we've taken some L's in the merch. We didn't wanted to make sure it wasn't the merch. It's not the merch. No, so no, no. Let, don't even put that out there. I just it's just been I, disproven. I wasn't wearing it. I would have put some on if maybe there was more joyous, you know. Yeah, if it was a more understood. joyous occasion. I would have reached for a win in six sweatshirt. But look, we know it's not the merch. It's proven not to be. Views the merch. are probably going to be down a little for this one. I was like, let's not waste the the merch on. <laughs> On the loss. We'll save it for Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, winning winning Wednesday, Merch Wednesday. Uh, caught the Merch, gspnstore.com. Uh, Adam setting that up, done a great job with it. And that's pretty much it. So and follow us all on Twitter. Uh, our ads are on the screen. Uh, at Ty Windish, at Adam McGee 11, at Eurostep Podcast, at Winning Numeral 6 Podcast. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Pod Random. We will talk to you on Wednesday. <laughs>